Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Lance Dawn, Noah Gardner on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama 98.3 FM. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope it's going well for you guys out there. It was not a fun weekend if you are an Auburn fan. I'm sure a lot of Auburn fans are listening right now. It was rough. It was a rough go against Georgia State, but at the end of the day, Auburn got the win. We're going to talk about that. Going to talk about what else happened over the weekend. Going to dive into the AP Top 25. Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports joins us at 2.30. Got a packed show for you guys today. Noah, how are you doing? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm up here up in Sylacauga, Alabama, Radio Alabama headquarters, so I'm doing well. Lance, how's it going, my man? It's going good. I'm going to be honest. I went into Saturday thinking that, you know, it's going to be a stress-free football game. It's homecoming. Auburn's going to get some things worked out before they go to Penn State, and I think I lost about five years off my life watching uh, Auburn play Georgia State on Saturday, but that's okay. I'm sure a lot of other Auburn fans feel the same out there as well. It was, a, it was a rough go for about three quarters, and we've got a lot to unpack here. Just give us some of our impressions from uh, Auburn's 34-24 win over Georgia State. Guarantee you that 10-point win, the final score, it does not indicate how close this game truly was uh, up until just the final seconds. Let's just go ahead and get into what we saw on Saturday. Obviously, address the elephant in the, in the room. Bo Nix getting benched in the third quarter. I believe there was about three minutes left in, in the third quarter for TJ Finley. Finley comes in, leaves a game, leads a game-winning drive uh, with less than a minute remaining on fourth and nine, uh, completes a pass to Shedrick Jackson for a touchdown. A lot of heroics late for Finley uh, on that drive. Obviously, Nick's Finley controversy at the quarterback spot up in the air. But I will say, if my just initial impression from this game, and I'm interested to get your thoughts, Noah, it's just, it was not, it was unconventional, and it was just not what we've seen from this Auburn team on Saturday. It's not what we've seen so far this season. What the issues that they struggled with, it's just not been what they struggled with on, on Saturday. It was the rush defense for the first half that was uh, incredibly confusing for me, I believe, Georgia State had over 200 yards rushing. I know 267, uh, 267 on the day, but 200 in the first half, and yep. it was it was just abysmal. Like it was like, why is Auburn letting this guy? Uh, I believe Greg was the running back's name, former walk on, r- rip off all these 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 runs. Auburn just couldn't contain. Apparently, Zacoby McLean is the most valuable player in the country. Who would have thought? But yeah, it, it, in in terms of overall impressions, I'm, I guess my initial impression was. It, just confusion. This is just not what Auburn is, has dealt with this entire season. And we, we've talked about this. We talked about this during the summer, Noah, about how, well, Auburn will go into a year or a team will go into a year and you'll see a couple of games and think that the issues they dealt with in those initial couple of games are the issues for the season. But then those issues will subside and other issues will arise. I'm wondering if, if the run defense is something to be concerned about, I doubt it if we get McLean and Papo back and they're fully healthy and they're able to play. But again, just not what I was used to seeing after three games uh, with the Auburn Tigers so far this year. Well, everybody's going to hit the panic button, or a lot of people are. And if you listen to talk radio right after the ball game, if you were listening to after the game, if you were listening to any type of radio broadcast this morning that's been talking about this game folks are going to be calling in all across the state if they're Auburn fans and a lot of them aren't going to be super level-headed but I'm with you 
it's confusing. It's hard to evaluate what we saw on Saturday. There's a lot of different things to look at in this ball game. I know you're talking about the run defense. You look in the second half, though, and they obviously made adjustments. They obviously made changes. Part of that could be that Zacoby McClain comes back out onto the field. That makes a big difference. You look at previous Alabama football teams. They have lost many a linebacker in the past. It makes a big difference, especially against a team that likes to run the ball and runs the ball rather effectively like Georgia State does out of the option. I also think they did make some halftime adjustments with their run fits and the way that they were lining up at the line of scrimmage to be able to stop this rushing attack. I left this ball game thinking, I wonder if they spent a large portion of last week preparing for LSU and maybe overlooked Georgia State a little bit. Could be wrong. I'm not saying that's what happened. Once again, this is a very confusing ball game. I have a hard time pulling anything out of this. A lot of folks are going to overreact. I'm not overreacting right now. Now, if Auburn loses on Saturday to LSU, then my opinions of this football team, they change. And that's not me dismissing the issues that are going into this week as well. There are a lot of issues going into Baton Rouge. I would be putting major blinders on if I were to be saying that there are no issues going into LSU this weekend. There are major issues, major questions that I know you and I will get into in future segments. We'll be talking about the most important questions for Auburn moving forward. And a lot of these you have to answer in the span of a week. You just fired your wide receivers coach. You benched your starting quarterback. You don't know who's going to be the starter on Saturday. Brian Harson said that earlier today at his press conference about 40 minutes ago. It has not been decided yet who will be the starter on Saturday against LSU, even though on the depth chart in the game notes for this week, Bo Nix is listed as the starter. But once again, in the press conference, Brian Harson said that he had not yet decided who will be the starter on Saturday against LSU. And that's just scratching the surface. You, you got to have a lot of questions about this Auburn team right now with the way that they played last weekend or this past weekend against Georgia State as they're getting ready to start SEC play. You think about the Penn State game two weeks ago, and you're like, man, we thought that although they lost that game, they only lost by eight on the road in a super hostile environment against a team that's now ranked inside the top five. Ranked number four now is Penn State. You thought, man, maybe – this team's going in the right direction. They're just not quite there yet. And then they do what they did on Saturday. I don't know what happened. And that's the best way that I know how to explain it. I don't know what happened. I'm pleased to see some of the adjustments on the defensive side of the football in the second half. They pitched a shutout. They shut down the rushing attack. And they got into more man coverage on defense. So if we're just talking about defense here, which I know is what you opened up with, they made adjustments at halftime, 100%. And even the slightest of adjustments, I've seen this at the high school level. It could be about where you are lining up your defensive linemen as far as what holes they're lining up over. And you could literally shift the technique over a hole, and it changes everything. And I've seen that happen. I once watched Lincoln High School in Talladega County come back from 24 points down. They were getting ran all over against the Handley Tigers a couple of years ago. And Lincoln ends up putting together a 24-point comeback and wins the football game. And they make just the slightest of changes. And I talked to the coaches about it, and they told me that they just moved the guy over a spot on the defensive line. And it made all the difference. I don't know if that's what Auburn did on Saturday, but they obviously made a little bit of adjustments on defense that made all the difference to pitch that shutout and to give Auburn a fighting chance. Offense is where the real concerns lie, I think, moving into this LSU game because you have no idea what this thing looks like on that side of the ball and what those conversations are like inside the complex. 
after you fire your wide receivers coach. And like you mentioned, Brian Harson saying earlier that he's not decided on a starting quarterback for this weekend against LSU, even though the depth chart says that Bo Nix is listed at the top. I love that. And like you also just said, I agree. I think there are a lot of question marks on the offensive side of the football, and we'll get into those, like you said, in later segments. But looking at this offense right now, not knowing who your starting quarterback is going to be, with Harson saying in his press conference earlier, he's like, you know, that doesn't necessarily matter. We're still going to go out there and we're going to game plan and we're going to prepare. I think it is something that you have to be concerned about because you have two different quarterbacks in your room right now that you're deciding between, apparently, that have vastly different skill sets. You can't go out there and have one game plan without knowing who your quarterback's going to be. One of them is mobile. One of them is not. One of them is a giant. One of them is not. It's it, You have to game plan around who is taking snaps uh, from the center you have to be able to focus your game plan I think just a little bit around that unless you're planning and going on Saturday and running Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter a hundred times which I don't think is going to happen but you look at this team as a whole after this game and I agree with you in terms of I'm not overreacting because here's why they went on the road to like you mentioned the current number four team in the country they game planned and they came just short of a victory had they not fumbled uh, I believe, in, in, in to, to begin the second half, they came just short of that game, uh, of winning that game. And like you mentioned, I wonder, not saying it's going, it, it, it's what's happened, but I wonder how much focus this coaching staff is putting on LSU because this seems like such an anomaly compared to what we've seen throughout this season. Over 200 yards rushing, like I mentioned in the first half. Auburn comes out second half, makes adjustments, shuts the team down. I, this was a rumor that I heard. I don't know if this is accurate, so if, if it comes to be incorrect, discount it. But I heard that Derek Mason apparently stepped down onto the field from, the, from, from his box. Apparently he came down onto the field and was calling plays because communication has been an issue so far this season. That might be an adjustment that Auburn makes as well moving forward in the future. But the reason I'm not concerned is because I've seen this team game plan and play well against a really good school. And Brian Harson said also earlier in his press conference, you know, I've been watching LSU not just this week, but for the past few weeks. I've been watching them because they're on TV. So I wonder how much stock this coaching staff is putting into getting prepared for next week, even though the mentality and what's been thrown out there is let's focus on this week and let's be one to know. you got to think that this, that this team is looking a little bit ahead to that LSU game because it is monumental. Like you said, if Auburn goes out there and wins this game, I think you're still on the track. I think you're going to have a good season. If they lose this game, I think that bowl eligibility potentially becomes a question mark moving down the road because Auburn's next stretch of few games is incredibly tough. You're not guaranteed to win at a lot of different spots, even at home against teams like Mississippi State. Not guaranteed as a win if your defense is not willing to make adjustments and you don't know who your quarterback is. So, like you said, there are a lot of questions moving forward. But in terms of looking at this game against Georgia State, I'm not hitting the panic button because, again, it just feels like such an anomaly. I've seen this team play better than this. It just feels like they were a little out of sorts on Saturday. Well, look across college football, right? Right. Look inside the top six. Iowa almost lost to a team that lost to Vanderbilt. And then look at what happened to Vanderbilt just in the first quarter alone against Georgia. Everybody's struggling right now. Fresno State, a spot ahead of Auburn in the top 25 last week, almost lost. They only won by eight against UNLV, who is 0-4 and is a much worse football team, I would assume, than Georgia State. 
but that was apparently enough to move Fresno State up four spots in the polls this week. If you feel bad about what your team did this week, of course, Georgia Tech is a lot better than Georgia State, but at least you're not North Carolina who got manhandled by Georgia Tech by three touchdowns. You can look across college football and everybody has issues. Yes, Arkansas beat Texas A&M, but if you watch that football game, Arkansas busted out to a quick two-touchdown lead. What did they do after that? Only won 20-10. Although that's a great win for Arkansas, I think a lot of that is A&M doesn't look very good this year. Arkansas, I still think, has some other games. This week against Georgia is a great measuring stick for them. If they hold their own, still lose you know, by two touchdowns, I'll say, yeah, this Arkansas team is, is legit. But And that's hard to believe that I'm saying losing by two touchdowns is to say that a team is legit, but I think Georgia is that good. But going back to my point is, you look across college football, everybody is struggling. It doesn't look like anybody is a good football team right now. Clemson is ranked number 25 in the country, which I think maybe is an extreme drop, but still, they're ranked 25 in the country. Wake Forest is undefeated and ranked 24. NC State's into the polls at 23. You can look all the way across college football right now, and the polls are changing drastically every single week. At least five ranked teams have lost every single week in college football. This past week, six ranked teams fell, and there were only two ranked versus ranked matchups. Four other upsets occurred in college football. Everybody, and and here's the thing, Auburn fans, Alabama fans, SEC fans, wherever, they're going to pay attention to their team. Whoever you are a fan of, you are going to pay attention to your team more than anybody else. And your problems with your football team feel personal. Your problems with your football team, those are the worst things in the world to you. You aren't considering the fact that Wisconsin just got drubbed by 28 to a so-so Notre Dame football team. But take a second Look around the room, and everybody is sweating bullets in their seats right now with the way that their football team is playing. So by you saying that this is an anomaly this year, it is. This is a statistical and game anomaly compared to the other four games or three games, rather, that Auburn has played up to this point. But it is also fair to say the things that we saw on Saturday are troubling, just like every other college football team's problems are, and it can cost you because – it's it, you still look at teams across college football and they're losing. So so just by saying that everybody else is struggling doesn't really justify it. You still can end up losing. Look at Clemson. Look at North Carolina. So bad things can still happen to your team. I'm not trying to justify it. I'm just saying that Auburn's not the only team dealing with it right now. This is a weird year in college football. I think we need to see more before we can jump to snap conclusions And honestly, you only have to wait one more week because this game against LSU will tell me a lot about where this Auburn team is at from a cultural standpoint. Because just look at this LSU game. This is Baton Rouge, Louisiana, a place that you have not won since 1999. You just played one of the worst football games that I can remember in recent memory against a bad football team. This was homecoming, and you almost lost my wife was sitting next to me at the ball game was like, do teams lose their homecoming games? I said, it does happen, but I'm, I'm sure it's happened at some point. But 
I would really hope and pray that this does not happen today. This would be atrocious. You just played one of the worst football games that I can remember against a bad team if you're Auburn. And now you've got to go to a place that you have not won since 1999. And you look at the team that's lining up across you, and you tell me, Lance, we've been talking about this for a while, and if you watched LSU-Mississippi State this past weekend, you got to believe this is true. This is the most beatable LSU team in Baton Rouge that I can remember in my lifetime. And if you go out there and you lay an egg and you drop that opportunity, can you say that this team is bought in at this point? I don't know. I don't think you can. Uh, Honestly, if you go out there, I I agree with you. I think that you look at this LSU team right now, the way that they played against UCLA, the way that they even played against McNeese, and the way that they played against a a confusing Mississippi State team, again, like you mentioned – College football, while it's been fun, it's been very much so, like you mentioned with the polls, just things changing drastically every single week. And and like I said, with Auburn, it might be an anomaly. Anomaly. I think you made a great point, though. does not dismiss the fact that you have to address your issues. If you Auburn, can still lose. If Auburn can't address those issues against LSU this weekend, I really start to question the trajectory of this program. And I don't want to get on Harson immediately four games into his career. I will, not. I will just I will say this. You know, we can talk about winning, we can talk about preparing, we can talk about executing, and we saw that for the most part against Penn State. Was it perfect? No, but we saw fight. If we don't see results within the next year, year and a half. That talk becomes stale. I'm not saying it's stale now because everything is laid out in front of Auburn still right now. You still have the opportunity to go out and prove yourself against LSU this weekend. Like you said, this it's only a three-and-a-half-point spread right now. Auburn can go out there and they can win, but you have to go out there and actually do it. And so in order for this talk that Brian Harson is saying, well, we're just going to go out there and execute. We're going to prepare. We're going to do these things to get better. We are going to get better you need to go out there and actually prove it. But first, you've got to address some of those issues. And on the other side of this break, we're going to talk about what questions we have about this team moving forward. We've already gotten into some of them. We're going to continue to break that down. The rush defense, the quarterback spot, the defensive line is, is, has been a question mark, I think, all, uh, all throughout this season. But we are going to uh, continue to do that on the other side of this break. Stick with us. Back on the line, Lance Dawn, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. We're going to go ahead and head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390, the number to dial, and Ed is on the line with us. Hey, Ed, how are you doing? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm doing great. I, I, I hope you all are doing the same. Uh, beautiful day. I, I was just gonna, I'll go right into it. As far as, like, uh, panicking, uh, no, I'm, I'm – Y'all know, I, I think all of y'all know, I did not expect much more from Bo after the first game. He came out the first game, with, you know, with a little twinkle toes, and, you know, he can't, he cannot set his feet. He cannot take coaching on how to set and throw. And, he, you know, so I didn't expect that to change. Uh, it, I'm, we were very lucky to win the game. Besides that lucky, that, I'm not lucky, very well uh, the last play was like, or not the last, but you know, the touchdown was epic. Right. But, but uh, you know, we all saw that. Uh, I think we got away with the call earlier. You know, the ball definitely hit the ground. Um, Shanker's catch. Did y'all say that? 
Yeah, I, yep. I saw it, and it, it looked in real time like uh, like it was a questionable call for sure. Yeah, it, it was slow ball. It was a little more questionable. But but anyway, uh, War Eagle, I, I, you know, but as far as uh, what I want to tell or just uh, ask your opinion on, uh, I think Carson sent more than anything, he sent a message to the whole team with his releasing Cornelius Williams that what's going on right now it, it's not acceptable and it's not on several but but can y'all explain to me uh, please uh, and I'm going to hang up and listen to this and just let y'all if you can teach me something uh, what's going on in our defensive backfield uh, again you know it, it, it has been a total wreck so far this year and I thought Derek Mason was supposed to be like a DB guru, we've got. We, I think we've got plenty of talent, but we have absolutely, you know, we are, we are, and and I I, I know that I, I know about you can't give a guy eight or ten seconds, but other than that, we've had so many passes just completed just right over the middle. Just bam, there's nobody there, mm-hmm. or busted coverages. If if y'all could clue me in on your thoughts on that, I I really appreciate it. Appreciate, yes, sir. Thank you, Ed. Appreciate the phone call, Ed. Yeah, Noah, this defensive backfield, and we, we've we talked about it a lot uh, so far this year about how there's just been a lot of miscommunications in the backfield. And we've talked about, you know, the split between is this a Derek Mason issue? Is, is this an Auburn talent issue? And Ed's saying there, you know, I believe Auburn's got the talent, but Derek Mason has just not been executing. What are your thoughts? Yeah, there's this interesting dynamic between the secondary and the pass rush. And I know he mentioned the pass rush. Auburn's running a lot of zone coverage this year in comparison to how much they ran last year. The thing about the zone is there are windows. There are spots that if you don't get a pass rush, those windows eventually open. A receiver will go and find the lazy area, the cushy spot in the coverage, the wide open spot. It's easy to see. You just turn around and look, where is a guy not at? And then just go and sit there and let your quarterback find you. And most quarterbacks can find it. And so right now, Auburn isn't bringing a lot of pressure. And that's the question that we have to ask. Why is Auburn not blitzing a lot right now? Is that because they're worried about taking someone out of pass coverage that they may give up a big play downfield? Or do they trust this defensive line and they're trying to test this defensive line to actually be able to go out and get that pressure? That's a question that I don't think has been answered yet. And this Saturday, we will get a very nice look at it because you want to know who throws the football very well. You want to know who understands how to find the lazy spots in a zone. You want to know whose wide receivers are good enough and smart enough to go and find those holes in the zone. LSU's. And so we're going to know. But I'll say this, in the second half, against Georgia State. And granted, Georgia State is one of the worst passing teams in all of college football. Terrible. I thought Auburn moved to a lot more man-to-man coverage. And there was a pass interference call in the second half that I didn't like. I'd love to see Auburn go more man-to-man. I think that's the strength of this secondary. That's also something that's playing into it. I think the secondary's got some new faces in it, like by Darius Knighton. And they're all just trying to learn a new scheme. And maybe they're just taking longer than normal to pick it up. Zone coverage is hard to do. That's kind of the next step for this group to learn this new scheme to be able to make them more attractive NFL prospects because they run a lot of zone in the NFL. Right now, they're giving up a super high completion percentage. They're not giving up a ton of big plays. They gave up a handful in the Penn State game because of busted coverage and whatnot. 
But a lot of that comes down to the fact that quarterbacks are smart. They can look around the field. They can find the open spots in the zone when you give them enough time. And right now, Auburn is giving opposing quarterbacks way too much time. And that's one of the questions, like you said, we're going to be able to figure out whether or not Auburn's able to actually go out there and execute uh, this Saturday. It's one of the questions that we have for this team. And we're going to get into some more questions that we have about this team uh, throughout the show. We've got Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports here uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes. But before we do that, Noah, not only was there college football this weekend, some fantastic high school football games on Friday, Auburn got a win, and there were some fantastic individual performances across the board throughout Alabama. That's right. This week's Point Broadband High School Player of the Week is Auburn High School's Bakari Daly. The senior wide receiver hauled in seven receptions for 130 yards and a touchdown, and the Tigers' 42-21 win over Bob Jones. Tigers advanced to 6-0 overall with a massive reach of gain against undefeated Central Phoenix City coming up this Friday. Bakari Daly, your Point Broadband High School Player of the Week. Point Broadband, smarter, faster fiber internet, point-broadband.com. And that's the type of stat line Kayshawn Boutte could have against Auburn this Saturday if they do not improve in the defensive backfield. And and like Ed said, you know, and and as you just talked about there, Noah, the pass rush, obviously, they've got to be able to get home a little bit more. And you look at the, the splits. For, for Darren Granger, the Georgia State quarterback, from first half to second half, you talk about them making adjustments and running man. Eight for 14 in the first half, two touchdowns in the second half, four of 10, and that pick, pick six uh, there at the end of the game. Which was zone coverage, by the way. Which was zone, which was zone coverage. You, you wonder, and I'd love to go back and look at some of this film again and, and just look at these zone man splits and really figure out, okay, is it a Mason issue? Is it a way that we're playing issue? Is it just Auburn does not have the talent in the backfield? At this point in the season, I feel like it's a little bit of a mix of everything, but we're just going to have to figure out. And I, again, we're going to get to figure it out for real this Saturday. We've been talking for about three or four weeks now. Look, it's really difficult to jump to conclusions, but this weekend I think we're going to have just a couple of conclusions to draw five games into the season. On the other side of this break, we've got Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports on, going to talk about Alabama's win over Southern Miss and some of the miscues that we saw from Auburn against Georgia State this weekend. Stick with us. Back on the line, Lance Dawn, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Got Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports on with us. Jeremy, it was a, uh, a pretty smooth weekend for the Crimson Tide. Uh, it beat Southern Miss 63-14. Pretty easy win there, but for Auburn, it was, uh, it was pretty rough. Before we get to the Crimson Tide, I do want to get some of your thoughts on Auburn's game. Noah and I talking in the first half hour of the show about how this game feels like a little bit of an anomaly statistically and when you go and actually watch what happened it's just Auburn was not able to stop the run something that they've been doing really well all season quarterback spot was a question mark TJ Finley Bo Nix that's up in the air now some overarching thoughts from uh, from Auburn's close win over Georgia State this weekend does Travis still call the show because he told me about in May that uh, Bo Nix is much improved. I think he started the Bo Nix is much improved. He's loving, having fun, dark horse to win the Heisman. I think Travis started that. But Auburn has the same issues that they had last year, and it's not Brian Harson's fault. I mean, Brian Harson needs his time to turn this program around. 
Auburn is downgraded at receiver this year. They lost all their receivers from last year. They didn't get anybody in the portal other than a guy who, quite frankly, hasn't done anything for the seven years that he's been in college. They, they're still not great in the defensive backfield. They have problems pass blocking, and I think their problems in the defensive backfield to answer y'all's questions about why they don't blitz and come after the quarterback. And I, I think Derek Mason thinks he needs six guys back there. And listen, it's not Brian Harson's fault. Everybody needs to take a step back, look at the big picture here, and give Brian Harson his time. And he may not get it done. He may as he might get it done. But none of this has anything to do with Brian Harson up to this point. Bo Nix um, is not he's not a top quarterback in college football, and that's what you need these days uh, to win big games. Um, it's what you need to compete on a national level, and Bo Nix probably just isn't that guy. I think you do have enough um, evidence to put together now over a three-year stretch to say Bo Nix hasn't gotten any better since the first day that he stepped on campus at Auburn. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be an uphill battle probably for the rest of the year. I can see Auburn winning this weekend. I don't think LSU is great. And Auburn could have a chance to put some wins together down the stretch and build on that going into next year. But I don't want to harp on Auburn because all your listeners know that, you know, I graduated from Alabama. I watched the Auburn-Georgia State game in a skybox in Bryant-Denny Saturday. But this is not me hating on Auburn. It's, it, that's the reality of what's happening there. And uh, we, can, we can really talk about Bryce Young and how good he looks if you want to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking at what Alabama did over the weekend, Bryce Young, four touchdowns, a pick, and a 63-14 win over Southern Miss. Looking ahead to this Ole Miss game this weekend, is this Alabama team ready to, uh, to take on that uh, Ole Miss offense? Listen, Alabama can easily lose this game. I'm not. I'm still not saying that Alabama's a bunch of world beaters. Southern Miss is one of the worst offenses in football. Um, their defense had a good numbers, I guess you could say, going into that game. But Alabama did what you expected them to do. Now, I think a lot of people watched the Florida-Tennessee game outside of the first quarter. It was close where Florida probably had a little bit of that, man, we just lost a big game. How do we recover? But Dude, Florida got 250 on the ground again. Emory Jones looked like a, to me, I mean, he looked like one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC now for two consecutive weeks. So after a horrible first quarter against Alabama for Emory Jones, this guy is going out and lit up the Alabama defense, took care of business against Tennessee, who's not a great team. But Emory Jones made almost every play that he was asked to make in that entire game. And Dan Mullen has a defense with a quarterback that seems to be getting pretty good and a dominant running game, which isn't all based on the quarterback run. I think that Florida-Georgia game in a couple weeks or right there in the middle of October is going to be a very fun one. Also, Florida fans need to chill out if they're upset with a 10-2 season this year just because they lost to Florida, or excuse me, just because they lost to Alabama and Georgia. I I think they should be thrilled with the fact that they just lost one of the best quarterbacks that we've seen at Florida in recent memory in Kyle Trask onto Emory Jones, who has a completely different skill set, still has eligibility on his clock in college football, and they had to completely change the, op- the this offense to fit what Emory Jones does well. I think Florida fans, not saying that they are rabid and that they're pitching a fit right now, but it, it, we've seen it before with McIlwain, right? And I think they just just, just it, pump the brakes. Going 10-2 is a good thing. Listen, where McIlwain and Muschamp left this program it was in a bad spot, and Dan Mullen has found a way to get Florida on Alabama and Georgia's level. If you look at their roster, and I don't think a lot of Alabama fans were um, intrigued enough to look at the roster because they just said Kyle Pitts is gone and Kyle Trask is gone. Alabama should go to the swamp and win this game. But 
you look at their roster, man, they have nine seniors in their first 15 off the bench, depending on what defensive set they're going to come off of. They have some dominant running backs. I mean, Brenton Cox is one of the best players in the SEC. So Alabama fans take a step back. Build off what you did against Southern Miss, which was a Jamison Williams boneheaded play from Bryce Young having six touchdowns, 21 for 22 with about 25 more passing yards and probably the best day passing in Alabama football history. And that's tough to do against air. At one point, he was like 97% passing. I mean, that's phenomenal. So Alabama's got to find a way um, in this game against Ole Miss. They got to get stops. If you were frustrated a little bit with Florida, just get ready to pull your hair out watching Ole Miss because Matt Corral is going to keep it. He's going to throw it. They're going to run the run pass option. They're going to throw to the tight end. They're going to spread out your linebackers, and they're going to run a uh, just a little handoff, and it's going to be five on five. And uh, you got to find a way to get stops when you got five on five in the box. So Alabama's going to be frustrated a lot Saturday. I think that puts so much more pressure on Bryce Young. Bryce got it done in the swamp. How is he going to put it together against Ole Miss because that Lane Kiffin offense is going to continually, just like last year, and Mac Jones had to be perfect uh, at Ole Miss last year. Bryce Young might have to do the same thing in the line, guys. Uh, did y'all see the line for this one? I believe it's at 14 and a half right now. So did it get bet down because it was like a 17 and a half open? If I So, I mean, they probably took some chump change money. There's a lot of people um, might, might have bought that one. Dude, I, if, if Alabama beats Ole Miss by 20, uh, you just go ahead and hand him the trophy at the end of the year. But I don't see that happen. This whole, this offense is too good. See, I think that may be an overstep, though, to say that just give the Alabama team By the, 20, the trophy. If, Alabama, if this Alabama team blows this Ole Miss team out of the water, don't. Do we know that Ole Miss is a good football team, put though? Put them in the playoff. Do we know that? Well, of course, no, Alabama's going to be in the playoff discussion at the end of the year, but I, I don't know if beating Ole Miss has ever been a prerequisite to say this is the, this give is Alabama the, the national championship I mean, two, trophy. Two weeks ago, y'all were asking me, is Auburn the toughest game left on Alabama's schedule? This is the toughest game left on Alabama's regular season schedule. They win this one. Who's beating them? Joe, Texas A&M? Their quarterback's not going to be Still back. have to play Georgia in the SEC not championship. Regular season sure, schedule. but you said national championship no, no, trophy. Listen, listen to me. If Alabama goes 12-0 and regular season, they lose to Georgia and Atlanta with as bad Clemson has been and is uh, really not impressive as Ohio, as Ohio State and the rest of all these other schools, they're in the playoff. But Sure, but do they come back and win the national championship? <laughs> have you tried to beat Nick Saban twice in one year? I have not, and that wouldn't go well probably, but pick, still. If you had to pick Kirby Smart to beat Nick Saban twice or Nick Saban to beat Kirby Smart twice in a year, who are you taking? Just answer. The latter. It's okay. I understand. I will say I will say this. You know, I, I don't – talking playoff in September is fun. I don't think that we know enough, but I will say if we were picking right now, if they beat Ole Miss uh, this weekend – you know, I think you're looking at a, at a world where that there there's a really good shot for two teams from the SEC to get into the playoff. And, you know, I, I do like Alabama's chances if they're able to survive the rest of the schedule and they blow Ole Miss out. Uh, I, I think it would be incredibly de- uh, impressive. I was going to ask you something that you mentioned there for a second. Defensively, does does Ole Miss have any answers for, for Bryce Young? I mean, if this Ole Miss offense does get going early and Alabama finds himself in a 7 nothing hole or something like that earlier, it's 14-7, is this Ole Miss defense going to be able to actually put pressure on Bryce Young or is he just going to be able to do whatever he wants? Everybody else has put pressure on Bryce Young. I mean, Southern Miss got some pressure on Bryce Young. And listen, it took four games. I think the offensive line took a step forward. I thought they actually ran the ball behind the tackles as opposed to your struggling center and your right guard and Emil Echior 
I thought Alabama, they tried to stretch run plays. They worked. It opened up the play-action passing game, which Nick Saban said after the game. Um, but t- uh, good teams so far have gotten pressure on Bryce Young. I mean, Mercer got it. Florida definitely got it. And uh, maybe this offensive line gels a little bit. I still think Alabama needs to add another reliable weapon at wide receiver. Um, if Alabama runs three-man routes against Ole Miss and they're trying to grind this game away, this isn't a grind this isn't a grinding game. This is this is going to be a keep up with the Joneses game. You're going to have to score in this game, and the six-and-a-half-minute drive that ends with a field goal isn't going to win it for Alabama. They're going to have to use the electricity. You're going to see a lot of JoJo Earl, uh, John Mechie. Man, that guy's slow. I, I mean, we all, I, I admit I thought that he was just going to step in and be a Waddle, Devontae Smith-type guy. We're so spooled. He ain't it. Jamison Williams needs a legitimate compliment that's not a tight end. Alabama's got two of the best tight ends in the league. Um, he needs another wide receiver compliment that's an explosive player. I think you see a lot of JoJo Earl. I want to go back to Ole Miss here. Are we so sure? Like, no, how is not. this a foregone conclusion? Because what not. have they done this year? They beat Louisville 43-24. to They beat Austin P 54-17. to They beat Tulane 61-21. to Who? Don't go and look at the final score of that ball game against UAB. That was a hammering by UAB over Tulane. Right. I just don't know if we can really say at this point that we know a ton enough we, that we know enough about Ole Miss to be able to say that this is an incredible win if Alabama goes out there and blows them out. But we're also talking. Chris Doring is on the SEC Network telling you that Ole Miss is winning this game. So this is going to be one of those games where a lot of people pick Ole Miss. All of Al- game day picked A and M on Saturday. What, what did saying. that mean? But I'm just saying. But when when Alabama wins the game. They're going to say it was just Ole Miss. And Alabama fans are terrified because of 2014, because of 2015. They run an offense now that can hang in this game like it did last year. They also had a lot better of a defense back then than they do right now. Yeah, oh, listen, it was they land, were the Land Sharks back then. Under, they had Robert and Kim Dietschy and the rest of those guys. Like, what but, happened to that guy? <laughs> I, he was, I saw him yesterday. He was yeah. playing on somebody's team. But uh, this is going to be a game. The, 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 the scary part is if you have two turnovers in this game, you can lose. I mean, like it's a. It, if Alabama has, if you lose the turnover margin in this game, you can easily lose because Lane Kiffin's dialing it up in this game. They're going to be ready to go. Lane Kiffin knows I can win this game and lose the rest of them, and they'll still be talking about how we carry the goalposts out of Bryant Denny. You know, there Hugh Freeze is still a celebrated guy at Ole Miss, and he he. You know, we talked earlier about what he was running down there. <laughs> I mean, they still love the guy. So I mean, if Ole, if Lane Kiffin wins this game. Um, it, it's going to be one for the ages. Alabama's got to be ready. 230 kicks. going to be a little hot compared to last week. Brian Denny's going to be rocking, but I've seen Ole Miss win this game before. I'm looking at this game, and I'm looking at last year's matchup, and I'm thinking with a, with a slightly improved defense for Ole Miss, one miscue from Alabama, and this game gets really interesting late. Uh, right. I think that Ole Miss is able to keep up with uh, with Alabama in this game. If this game was in Oxford this year, I'm taking the Rebels to win. I, I would pick Ole Miss to win this game. But it, it is in Bryant-Denny, and I, it's Alabama. So right now, I think it's kind of up in the air. We'll vis- revisit this uh, on Friday whenever we do our picks. But I'm right there with you, Jeremy, as far as the concern for this game as an Alabama fan. I think Ole Miss is talented. I think they have the ability to get it done. It's going to be a fun game regardless. And I'll just say this about the SEC right now. We're getting to witness some fun college football. It has been a phenomenal year. And if Alabama does manage to slip up either this weekend or against another team down the road, 
it's more parody. It's more fun, and I, I, I'm all for it to be honest with you. I love going on, coming on air, and you know we're looking at last week's slate, and we get to pick some upsets, and they end up happening. It's fun to see just so much turmoil in college football. And as an Auburn fan, you know I can say that I'm rooting for Alabama to lose because it's Alabama, but also I'm rooting for for Alabama to lose because it's it's more fun at the end of the year for everybody. So what it, I'm hearing from Lance is he likes to watch the world burn. It's, <laughs> he says it's fun to see turmoil. <laughs> it's it's fun to see whenever your Clemson's, your Ohio State's, your Alabama's. You know we all thought going or going into last season that it was going to be kind of chalky, right? Because of the way that COVID had affected everything. It was going to be, well, the teams at the end of the day with the most talent are going to to win out and they're going to reign, and that eventually was what happened. This year, things have kind of gotten back on track. NIL's a factor. We've got all these different outside things affecting the game, and it seems to kind of taken a 2007-esque kind of direction in terms of the, the product that we're seeing on the field. It's just been all over the place. Like you mentioned earlier, Noah, at least five top 25 teams have lost every single week so far this season, and last week it was six. Wondering if Alabama could be one of the five to lose this weekend. Again, I'm just saying it's just fun. It's a good time to be a college football fan. And uh, this Alabama-Ole Miss game, I think, has a lot of intrigue. And I do think Ole Miss is, is at the end of the year, going to be one of the better teams in the SEC. Nick Saban knows, guys, he can't lose this game. If you win this game, you probably win the SEC West. I mean, who else? Not only is it who else is going to beat you, but now you have the you have a game lead on everybody. Because uh, if Ole Miss wins this game, I don't see them losing another uh, SEC. They have to lose two SEC games. And are they going to lose two more if they're good enough to beat Alabama? I don't think so. Nick Saban knows how important this game is. They're not losing next week. They're not losing the week after that. Um, and then I, what is that? The, then it's a bye week rolling into LSU or somebody else from the SEC West that Alabama shouldn't be scared of. What would you have set this line at? 14 uh, and a half right now, ooh, according to ESPN. I, I got friends that tell me that, you know, that Ole Miss can score 50. I don't think that's impossible. Can they get it they going? They scored 48 last year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, in a, At home, in a weird year, you know. But um, I probably would have said it at seven and a half. I would have made people decide if Alabama could win by more than a touchdown. Think it's going to be that close? I mean, it's, that's setting the line. I mean, I, I – Well, what do you think? Pick it then. <laughs> the problem is, admit, and if you go through like CFPstats.com, Auburn was the number one scoring offense two weeks ago. Well, they've dropped by Good 20 times. points per game, and they're still in the top five. We know Auburn doesn't have a top five scoring offense in America by the time this year's over. What do we know about Ole Miss? You're 100% correct, Noah. You don't know what you're getting with Ole Miss, and I think that's what's scaring a lot of people going into this game Saturday. A lot of pressure on Alabama. Ole Miss, no pressure. We've seen that we've seen this before. We've we've watched this movie, and Alabama's got a target on their back, and there's a team coming into Tuscaloosa that has one goal for the whole year, and it's to beat Alabama. Listen, this has been a fantastic conversation. We're gonna go to break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up the show and continue to give our thoughts on this Ole Miss game because because uh, it's going to be a fantastic matchup. Stick with us. Wrapping up our number one here on the line, Lance Daw, Noah Gardner, Jeremy Law here with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports 98.3 FM. It's been a fantastic show so far. Gotten some hot takes, uh, gotten our thoughts on the Auburn-Georgia State game. If you've missed any of it so far, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts going to be a good one to go back and listen to and if you're listening to the podcast right now we appreciate it man we appreciate you taking the time to listen 
uh, after the show has been aired. Guys, I do want to kind of get some more thoughts on this Alabama Ole Miss game. And in terms of what Jeremy was saying, you know, who else, you know, if whoever wins this game, if Ole Miss wins, who's going to beat them? And if Alabama wins, who's going to beat them? In y'all's mind, What's the SEC West hierarchy look like right now before this matchup against Ole Miss? I think it's funny that we're making these like overarching claims that like we're just like pre-writing the rest of the season based off this one football game. And as Lance put it in the previous segment, the turmoil of college football this year is if, if we we are crazy to think that we can write a script for this year, it's. It, it, this is a crazy year. Now, hierarchy for the SEC West or the entire SEC Lance? The the just the SEC West. Looking right now before this game and then after this game, depending on whoever wins. One Alabama. I guess these are kind of a power rankings. I say one Alabama. I think all of us in the room would agree with that. Two. This is tough. I got to decide between Ole Miss and Arkansas, which is a game that could be two thirty CBS or eleven AM ESPN. In case people didn't see that release time earlier today, depending on what happens in this Auburn LSU game, I'm sure if Auburn beats LSU, then that'll end up being Deep South's oldest rivalry. End up being two thirty instead of eleven AM. But wow, that's tough. I'll say Arkansas at this point, just staying consistent with the AP top twenty five and the fact that they've actually beaten some teams. They've at least shown it, so they're second. Then I would go Ole Miss at three. And then at four, I would say Auburn, once again, staying consistent with what we've seen in college football up to this point. A&M's got issues, too. There's really not a whole lot separating those two teams in the rankings. I think Auburn is the better team at this point. A&M's got a lot of issues. I'd say A&M at – I don't even know if I'd say A&M at five. I'd honestly go with LSU at five. Then I'd go with A&M at six. And then that other school, Mississippi State at seven. I forgot about those guys. Those guys aren't very good. Do you think Auburn is better than Texas A&M? I think so. That'd be an ugly game when those two teams play. You can't lie about that. It, Alabama, Ole Miss, Arkansas, A&M, Auburn, LSU, Mississippi State. I, I like Auburn to win this weekend. So You like Auburn to win this weekend against LSU, but you won't say that they're ahead of Texas A&M and that hierarchy after what we've seen from Texas A&M this year? And it's not like anomalies. It's on a repeated basis. A&M looks not good. Auburn might. If Auburn played A&M tomorrow, they would score less than 10 points. They would. I'm telling you, they would. Texas A&M, second best scoring defense in America. It's a good defense, but I question whether or not that offense would be able to get enough to win that game over Auburn, which is kind of, which is weird to I'm say. I'm saying point. Auburn they won't win at ten to three, Lance. I'm just saying Auburn, <laughs> Auburn would not score two touchdowns on that defense. Okay, with All Bo right. Nix at quarterback. This All way, right. I mean, T.J. Finley might light up the world, which and, I think could happen. T.J. Finley, if he goes out, and I don't know, somebody t- just tweeted that uh, Bo Nix is listed as a starter, but Harson didn't commit to that. Correct, either. correct. So a lot, of, there's a lot going on there. On the other side of this break, we wrap up the Monday edition of On the Line. Got a whole extra hour for you. You've got our Making Headlines segment, AP Top 25. Stick with us. You're on the line. W294AR Auburn. WGCCHD3 Waverly. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. ESPN 1067. A broadcast service of Auburn Network Incorporated. are on the line 
Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on foxsports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. Hour number two of On the Line, Lance Daw, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Really appreciate Jeremy Law stopping by to talk a little SEC football with us. Some fantastic stuff listening to him and Noah go back and forth on SEC West Hierarchy. It was a phenomenal first hour of the show, and if you missed any of it, go and find the podcast again wherever you get your podcast. We're going to head to the phone lines now, 334-321-1390, the number to call, and Dan is on the line with us. What's on your mind, Dan? Uh, not much. I'm going to start out with uh, defense, then I'm going to jump to offense. Um, defensively, I rewatched the game, and, and you have to realize, okay, you lose Owen Popo, and then you have uh, Zacoby out for the first half, and the two linebackers starting is Chandler Wooten, who has played but he's, he's never even started a game yet. That was his first start. And, of course, uh, number 32, that was his first start, and he's, he's only played a little bit. So you go against an offense that's real you know, tricky. I mean, it's not just that the quarterback's got to make the tackles. It's that they have to call the defense and make sure that everyone's lined up properly. And on a couple of those runs, especially that first one where the guy got 70 yards, you had every defensive guy, or, or most of them, lined up on the, out, on the outside of the hash. So the middle of the field was just completely wide open. There was nobody there yep. to even make the play. The defensive end bounced in. Or, I mean, he, he he jumped in right before the snap. And, I mean, there was just nobody there. I mean, that's just a total breakdown. That that wasn't that we played bad on that play. We, I mean, obviously we played bad because we didn't line up right. But that's the inexperience at linebacker. When you have two linebackers that haven't played, not to mention it's a really, you know, it's a different type of offense that you never see, you know, the fact that we gave up those yards in the first half, mainly running, that 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 kind of doesn't bother me as much. We're, we came out in the second half. You have a veteran linebacker in there who's obviously super talented, and he made sure that the, we're lined up properly. And then they only had like 50 yards in the whole second half. So, you, you know, if you have to think between one crazy game that you had last week and then you got LSU this week. You know, we did come out a little bit flat, and Harson harped all week long. He goes, guys, I know everybody's calling us a cupcake, it's homecoming, blah, blah, blah. He said, but this is a good team. They're not a bad team. And with that quarterback, who had he, he wasn't a starter there last year, but he started on another team like in the last couple of years. I don't know exactly his whole story. That was a pretty dang good quarterback. And the first two games that they lost, they lost with a different quarterback that wasn't very good. So they're not trying to give that team a lot of beef. But, you know, what? the worst thing you can do is give a team that's inferior give them a lead and get them fired up and then have your whole crowd out of the game and you know going to offense if you look at both quarterbacks they both missed all their deep throws and they both missed throws in the end zone so i don't think they were that much different but i think finley just him coming into the game got the crowd back into it and got everybody inspired and then you know eventually made the plays i'm going to give him credit because he did make some really good plays uh, you know, but but he did miss a bunch of throws too. So for whatever reason, we're just missing on all our deep throws, and I don't know why. But you know, you know even when we have time, we're still missing on them. So both quarterbacks, whoever is the quarterback is going to be, and if we play both, I think that's probably going to happen. But we just got to hit those throws. If you hit a couple of those throws, 
it changes the whole entire game. It backs the defense up, and then you can run the ball. It's, you know? ve- it's very similar to what happened with Penn State, right, in terms of Knicks just not completing any of his uh, deep shots. And I agree with you. I don't really know necessarily why. The accuracy's just simply not been there, but it's been – it's been really frustrating to watch. I've got two questions for you. Number one, so you think with these linebackers coming back and McLean and Papo, Auburn on defense is going to be just fine moving forward in the rush the rushing attack that we saw from Georgia State's not going to be a huge concern moving forward. I, especially for this game now, I don't know Georgia may be different. Right. I'm just saying like LSU's had a hard time running the ball for whatever reason. I know, I know they have a lot of offensive line issues too. They can't know. run the ball I mean, against air. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they they you know, so I think that I mean we probably have to worry more about them passing. But it did seem like to me in the whole second half, you got more movement out of our defensive line. We played way more inspired in the second half, and then we, we, it looked like we went to a man on the outside, especially, but a lot more. I look, I think the zone can be good at, at some point. I just think we're just not there yet, you know. And then try not trying to jump too much, but back to the receivers. And you know, look, I didn't expect us to let the receivers coach go. But I think half the problems that we have are guys running the wrong plays, and they're just not in the right. I mean, some of Nix's passes, it looked like the receiver was, was, was like the one one play to 16, I don't know, in the middle of the game. It's like, it looked like he came in, and the Knicks, he was running in the out pattern. I think it, <laughs> the ball went right into the right spot. You know, it just looked like he just was totally off target. Right. But, I mean, it's, it's hard enough being a quarterback back there when you don't have, you know, as much time as you'd like to have. You know, but if you got your guys running the wrong plays, then it makes it even more difficult, you know, so – Second question here for you, you know, you, you, you said that you expect both quarterbacks to play this Saturday. If you had to start one right now, who would you go with? Uh, I think, Nick. look, look, Nick has been your starting quarterback. He's gotten more practice in practice. He knows the offensive inside out. I think he is the guy. He's just got to make those throws. He, he's, I mean, he, he's making all the intermediate throws pretty well. I mean, he's just not missing – the throws he should make. He's just missing some of the deep ones. I do think, look, you can go with Finley, but then if Finley has a couple series, you're going to have to bring Bro in anyway. And, and I know Bro can handle the crowd noise because he already just did it two weeks ago. So I almost think I, I'm more worried about Finley coming in and being just so jacked up that he, he just he's throwing the ball too hard. Because the thing with Finley, he doesn't have as much t- touch on his balls. He, I mean, he throws more rocket shots. <laughs> You know, the one play to uh, number five in the corner of the end zone that, that he should have made, he just threw that ball so hard. I mean, it, it just the court receiver just there's no way he's going to pull that in. You know, so I, I think Finley's going to be so fired up to go back home. I'm afraid. Yeah, you know, it, it's just you know, I don't know. I think Bo has the experience. I I think you know, look what happened on Saturday needed to happen. You know, for whatever you know whether whether Bo was shaking up, whether he just needed to just get calmed down on the bench, whatever. I mean, he's got to make those throws, but the same thing, fin- Finley's got to make those throws. I mean, he had, there was in that game, there's three open guys, um, the one, one to uh, Cedric, that if he throws a good ball, it's a touchdown. But, he, you know, he overthrew it by about four yards, five yards. You know, look, look, both guys are having trouble hitting the deep ones. I mean, it's just, it just is what it is. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we've seen it. We saw it against uh, when, when, when Finley played Auburn last year. We saw the throw that I, I believe it was uh, Pritchett had, the interception that he had. Um, where it was just a high throw, and we saw that multiple times throughout that game. And if you go back and watch film last year, Finley had that issue last year as well. And like you said, it, he he tends to overthrow like Knicks. It's kind of like the Joe Milton uh, disease at, at Tennessee when he was the quarterback there for a couple of games. Just everything on the on the deep shots is just is ten or five yards down the field, and it it's definitely is is uh, a concern moving forward. 
Yeah, I, I went to the practice that they let the fans go watch. Right. And and that was you know that was a month ago, maybe a little more than a month ago. And and I just I finally just had a hard time making a lot of the throws. You you know just because like I said, he's got a big arm, he's a big guy, and he just he fires the ball in there. And so I think some some of the throws we we try to do, you know, unless you're going to just eliminate all those throws, you know, that are more dropping them in the right spot, you know, I, I don't know. Now, doesn't mean he's not getting better at it. I, I just thought that he got into Auburn late, and you know, because he went to spring practice at LSU, and so I, I think, you know, you really need your starting quarterback, who's been your starting quarterback, just to step it up. And he doesn't have to step up a ton. He just got to step up a little bit yep. and make the open throws that are deep. Yep. <laughs> he hits a few of those, and our offense is totally different. I mean, we're totally, you know, going up and down the field. You know, just it's. I don't think it's that complicated. Yeah, and but, uh, yeah, it's, all all it takes is is just a couple of deep shots downfield, and this offense can uh, move a little better. Better appreciate the phone call, Dan. Thanks. That was Dan on the line with us. 334-321-1390 is the number to dial if you want to give your thoughts on this quarterback controversy. It's never too early to start projecting what's going to happen on Saturday. Even though we've got depth chart, even though we've got what Brian Harson said earlier, you want to give your thoughts on who you think should be the starting quarterback this Saturday. Again, that's 334-321-1390. Talking a lot about Finley there, Noah, and that I want to get back into the questions that we have for Auburn moving forward with this with this team and I think that's one of the questions that's weighing on a lot of Auburn fans minds right now is who is going to be the quarterback down the line now that we've seen Auburn make the switch late in that Georgia State game where is the quarterback position at in your mind right now yeah that's a mess right and I think Dan had a very measured response and how I think a lot of folks are feeling right now is you look at TJ Finley and I go back to this a lot don't overreact because he did miss a lot of throws. He did up until that last drive where he did go 98 yards and he made all the plays and it did need to happen. What happened in the ball game needed to happen for Auburn to win from an energy standpoint from Bo just wasn't locked in, wasn't focused. He wasn't having fun. That was not, that was not a factor in Saturday's ball game. He was, he was not locked in. You had to make a change to a guy who was going to give you a shot just because TJ Finley played better than Bo for a quarter does not mean, or really just one drive does not mean that he's necessarily a better quarterback or a better starting quarterback for Auburn down the road. Now, with that being said, I think Dan hit the nail on the head when he said that Bo's just got to step it up. And that's the truth because Bo is not doing enough right now to win ball games for Auburn. He's not doing enough right now. What we saw on Saturday to get Auburn, to a bowl game. It is that desperate right now at the quarterback position. It's that bad. And what's crazy is Bo Nix beat LSU by 40 last year, and we're having this conversation a year later. It's wild to think about, isn't it? Just the way that this team was playing last year and looking at the matchups this year, and and, and we're having a conversation of who's going to be that quarterback after seeing how well well Nix played outside of the quarterback spot. Obviously, there's there's a lot of questions I feel like people have about this team. Is well, I still there... want to talk about the quarterback position here because I think we could dive a little bit more into it because there's sure. also the locker room dynamic of this, right? If you move on from Bo Nix, just, just continuing into this for the folks out there that do want to move on from Bo Nix because I've talked to a few people like this. If you move on from Bo Nix, you better be right. Right. Because if you're wrong, 
Not saying that Bo would transfer midseason or anything like that, but I think it's a heck of a lot easier going into Saturday's game against LSU to start Bo Nix, and if things aren't going great, to move on to Finley at some other point in the ballgame before it's too late to be able to give Auburn a chance to win. To go into it, say Bo is our starter, but we're going to play both guys, or there's a chance for us to play both guys, right? Basically to go in with a short leash. It's a heck of a lot easier to move on under those circumstances because Bo's still your starting quarterback, and you can still start him throughout the rest of the season. But if you move on and say, C.J. Finley's our guy moving forward, and you're wrong, well, you could potentially destroy the confidence of your next starting quarterback if he doesn't play well, and you have a hard time going back. You Ex- do. You exactly. Just do. Yeah, and it's it's. Uh, I think that's a fantastic point there. You cannot turn back once you've kind of solidified, okay, this guy's going to be our guy. The relationship is different. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's it's going to be so difficult that with this offense moving forward. You talk about Brian Harson saying, oh, the game plan doesn't change. Oh, yes, it does. Because if you're playing a completely different quarterback with a completely different skill set, first of all, like you said, no, you better be darn sure that he's going to be able to run the offense just as good or better as the other guy. And it's, like, it's like being in a committed relationship and then saying, hey, I think we should see other people. Yes, How exactly. How's that going to go? over right it, I mean it, it's very similar it is how's that going to go over with Bo Nix moving forward what's that going to do to his confidence that, that there's just so much there's so many layers to yeah. this right now and it's more than just what we saw on Saturday it's also how does this team move forward with these two quarterbacks who is better and who's the right man to run this job and just because a guy was enough of a shot in the arm to lead Auburn to victory on Saturday at the end of the day, bottom line is I don't know if that's enough to go off of to say that he's the right guy for the rest of the season. 334-321-1390 is the number to dial. Inspector is on the line with us. Hey, Specter, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Dang, Noah, you took about everything I was going to say out of my mouth. <laughs> Sorry, Specter. Yeah, but that's good, though. Uh, look, uh, I'm going to just say this. We do not have a quarterback controversy. Bo Nix is our starting quarterback. He had a bad day, had a bad night. Coach took him out, put another guy in. Another guy came in, put a spark in us, won the game, end of story. We go into Baton Rouge with Bo Nix. Bo Nix has the opportunity to prove himself. And if he comes back out there and stumbles and doesn't know what he's doing and passes Pass his chest, say, my bad, my bad. Well, you coming out, son. The other guy's coming in. But uh, Bo Nix is, is our starting quarterback. Now, even though it's two different games, baseball and football have the same thing when it comes to pitchers and quarterbacks. Philosophy is the same. Bo Nix is our starting pitcher, and if he's having a bad night, you're going to put the relief in there. And that's just exactly how it works. And uh, if the relief comes in and wins the game for Bo Nix, that doesn't mean that the relief pitcher is going to be the starting pitcher the next game. But uh, anyway, that's about how how it looks to me. Yeah, and I and I agree with that, Specter. I like the baseball analogy there. I'll add to it. If Bo Nix continues to have repeated bad performances, then you have grounds to drop the guy from your starting rotation. But just one is not enough to send a dude back to AAA. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, I'm not going to go through all this game thing. I went after the game. I went through all of that, and so 
Uh, I'll talk a little bit about some more of it later. But uh, you guys have a nice afternoon. I'll talk to you later. Appreciate the phone call, Specter. 334-321-1390 is the number to dial. If you've got thoughts on this uh, quarterback situation going on, and Auburn would love to hear your thoughts. And yeah, I agree with a lot of what Specter said there. Let's head back to the phone line. 334-321-1390 again is the number to dial. And Andrew's on the line with us. What's up, Andrew? Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Doing great. How you doing? Doing awesome. Doing awesome. Um, well, you know, since we spent, what, 30 minutes talking about Alabama, I figured I'd throw my two cents in there about that uh looking at the game against Ole Miss this week I'm I'm kind of like no I mean what who has Ole Miss played that really shows you uh you know that they're you know forced to be reckoned with in the west sure they score a lot of points but you know if I was a betting man I would probably lay the money on Alabama but um you know that's enough enough about Alabama for me I called to talk about you know what y'all been discussing here the last few minutes um you know, Bo and, and TJ, um, I'm kind of like you guys. I think if you put TJ in there, he, he might be a little too juiced up uh, going back home and uh, getting the start. So I, I think, you know, you almost have to go with Bo here. You have a short leash on him. If he's not playing well and the game's close, maybe at halftime you bring TJ out, give him a shot. Um, but, you know, that all depends on the score. But, you know, one thing that I've been thinking about, too, I don't know if y'all saw it, but did you see Sammy Coates, uh, you know, how he was, you know, a little gassed up about letting Cornelius go yesterday? I saw on Twitter that they, that he was uh, he was responding to a lot of people and he was going through it uh, on, on Twitter, but I didn't see most of what he was having to say. It's, it seemed, though, as, as if he was very frustrated about it. Yeah, and, and you know, it kind of got me thinking, you know, how many other lettermen – and uh, boosters will be mad if you pull the plug on Bo. I mean, um, you know, with Pat being, you know, what he was to, to Auburn, and um, I think if you if you cut ties with Bo, you sit him and start TJ. I mean, who's next? What what Letterman's next? You know, um, you know, making these big decisions. I know he wasn't mad about uh, you know Bo being benched. I think we should play who gives us the best shot to win. But if uh, if you if you pull the plug on Bo, kind of like you said, Noah, you got to be sure that TJ's the guy. And, uh, you know, one thing I'm glad is, whew, I'm glad I'm not Coach Harson because he's got a tough one on his hands. Yeah. That's right. Four games in, already thrown into the fire. It's crazy. Four games in, he almost loses homecoming, and now he's got to make a decision about quarterbacks. He's already fired a coach. This is a wild ride four games in. I feel like the most wild ride maybe we've seen in recent memory with the new Auburn coach. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's almost a little relieving to to see somebody who, you know, is, is not scared to make a change. Uh, I don't know if I'm the only one that feels that way, but, uh, you know, this Coach Harson, I mean, he he, uh, he wants to do it his way, and I think that's how we're going to have to win is, you know, him coming in, changing the culture, and, um, you know, I'm, I fully support him. Yeah, I agree. And moving forward, you got to be able to, like we were saying earlier, you got to be able to lock it down. I feel like at that spot, if you want this offense to uh, continue to hum, Andrew, we really appreciate the call, but we've got to head to a break. Yeah, awesome show, guys. Thanks, Warrior. That was Andrew on the line with us. Really appreciate him calling in. We've got another caller on the line. Hold on. On the other side of this break, we'll get to you. Everybody else, stick with us.
Back on On the Line, Lance Dahl, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Going to head back to the phone lines, and Ty the Tiger has been hanging on. What's up, Ty? What's on, guys? How y'all doing this lovely Monday morning? Doing fantastic, Ty. What's on your mind? Well, first of all, just really excited, fitting to get the grill going. I got my Dallas Cowboys. Don't take 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 uh, uh, hold of the uh, NFC East tonight, so I'm really excited about that. Um, I, I think they cover big. If y'all want to lock for the day, I think they cover big time. Just going to throw that out there. Um, but, hey, I really wanted to call, man, because that, that, that last caller, he stole a little bit of my thunder, man. But, but let me just ask you guys this question. Would Gus Malzahn have gone to TJ? No. He wouldn't have because we saw that for two two years. He stuck with Nick. <laughs> I just, I just want to make sure y'all 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 uh, feeling the same way I do. And that's one reason I like this coach, man. If he's gonna go down, if he's gonna lose, he's gonna lose his way. He's not, he's not gonna lose the booster's way. He's not gonna lose what he thinks politically is right um, at the university. I think he's gonna lose his way. I mean, his the the, the statement that he made. Um, after the game is we'd used all wide receivers, we'd used all the running backs. So I figured we'd try a different quarterback to give us a spark. Um, I think really hit home with me that, that, you know, that this guy was, I mean, he, it really is, you know, uh, next man up, not, not the favorites. You know, we heard that at, with Gus for years um, about favorites and, you know, how he favored some players over others and they would play more. Um, you know, I, I've got, um, I've got close, uh, friends back in, in the Montgomery area. And they used to tell me the way that, that the way that Petway used to get talked to at practice compared to the way Terry and Johnson got talked to at practice and just little things like that of, of, of Gus had his stars and those stars could not be, uh, treated, you know, one of the biggest things of Gus's career is when he kicked Duke Williams off the team. Um, I never thought he'd do it. I never thought he'd do it. I, I, you know, again, he's just one of those guys. And, and you know, from the rumors of what it was, it was uh, it, he, his hand was forced in. So, but, you know, enough about Gus. We're on a new regime, right, about the new coaching staff. I, 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 love, the, I love the move, guys. I love that they they tried something that they, they, they just didn't go down in flames running the same old plays and the same old offense. I mean, they really did put somebody else in there to try to make a spark. And I just, I mean, I don't know if TJ is going to be the the answer for the rest of the year. I don't know if he's going to, you know, um, I don't know if he's if he's so much better than Bo uh, if he's not. But I know that I feel like the kid with his emotions going into this game Saturday, how can y'all not say that he's not going to give us the best chance to win? I understand that take. Also think on the other side of it, he could end up being so jacked up, you know, with adrenaline, with possibly nerves. It it just kind of depends on what the personality is like for him. And I don't think we know enough yet. I understand that take, though. He could be so jacked up could be so gassed up like you said to be playing his former team that he could go out there and look like cam newton the guy that everybody's comparing him to you know so it it could go that way the other side of it that i want to bring up too with bo nicks maybe this is the kick in the butt that bo nicks needs to get his game going the right way you know i just i don't think we know enough about the room and where the headspace is at for these two quarterbacks for us to know at all who should start on saturday and i'm glad i'm not the coach 
I mean, I just I don't I don't see how you start Bo Nix. Uh, the the guy again, he's not he, he he's not losing you a game. But again, I think I told y'all this uh, last week or the week before. He's he not losing us the game because the coach won't let him. We have a better we have we have a better coaching staff not putting Bo Nix. In, in the predicaments like we did last year, where you throw to Joe Horn, who's a uh, you know a rookie Pro Bowl cornerback, and we're going to throw his way all game to try to entice him, and we ended up losing to South Carolina. I mean, you just don't do stuff like that, and we didn't do it at Penn State, and now again, I mean, would TJ have won us the Penn State game? I mean, now you now you just kind of look back and question again. That's what we get to do as fans. Because our million-dollar contract ain't on the line, you know, and we get to just talk and, and have all these opinions we want to. But I just, I, again, I like the moxie. I like the move. I like the, hey, I like the exact quote that he said. We we played all of our running backs. We played all of our receivers. It was time to try to quarterback. <laughs> I mean, that was it, guys. Yeah. Anyway, I shut up and listen. War Eagle, guys. Appreciate the phone call, Ty fantastic as always and yeah it's uh it's a decision that would not have been made it was the question that Ty asked at the beginning of his call a decision that I don't think would have been made uh under Gus Malzahn look moving forward though now I think uh I think that it's still to be determined whether or not Finley should start and I think right now you look at both sides of the argument saying that Finley gave gives us the best chance to win, saying that he could potentially be too hyped up and too energized and just not ready to go play against his former team. I think there are a lot of different perspectives you can take on this. And like you said, Noah, right now, I just don't know if he's really, truly ready to go and play against his former team in Baton Rouge. Take emotions out of it. Is TJ Finley the guy to give you the best shot to win the majority of your football games? For the rest of the year. I think that's the question this coaching staff has to answer. Because I go back to. You can't go back. If you move on from Bo Nix here. That's like saying in a relationship. That you want to go see other people. It's never the same. Absolutely. 334-321-1390. You want to get your thoughts in. Bo Nix, TJ Finley. What do you all think about the quarterback situation right now? Would love to get your thoughts. On the other side of this break, though, I do want to talk about Cornelius Williams and the situation going on with Auburn's receiver room and why Harson making a change is significant. Stick with us. Back on the line, Lance Dawn, Noah Gardner here with you. ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Got intern Sting, intern Belichick here in the studio with us. Really appreciate Sting running the board. He's uh, he's had to uh, go through a lot of calls today because the phone lines have been on fire. 334-321-1390 is the number to dial. We got a pair of callers on hold, and let's get to Matthew on the on the phone with us. Matthew, what's up? Hey guys, lots of takeaways from that game. Um, just going back to the Akron game and then going to the Alabama State, we made more penalties, and then the. Uh, Penn State game, we didn't look as good as we did the first two games, which is understandably. But this past game, we looked even worse than the Penn State game. And I think Georgia State's a little bit worse than Penn State, I hope. Um, and so it's just looking to me like we're getting a little bit worse and not better. Your thoughts on that? 
Well, I think when you're looking at this team in terms of like whether or not they're getting worse or as the season goes on, I will say something we were talking about to open up the show. You know, we've seen this team, we saw them play really well against Penn State on the road in that environment in terms of game plan, and then they just kind of wet the bed this weekend, and they they couldn't stop the run, which is something they've been so good at so far this year. So I don't know necessarily that the team is going is progressively getting worse. Obviously, we're dealing with injuries, injuries and quarterback issues right now, but I think that some adjustments do need to be made down the line because if they don't, I think this team could progressively get worse as the year goes on because SEC play is going to be brutal. No doubt. Hey, um, as a fan of, um, well, I'll say this. We haven't had a first-round wide receiver is since 85 or 86, and so – and it doesn't look like that's happening this year. So we need to do something at the wide receiver position because, honestly, we've had a good offensive line. We've had good running backs. We've had good quarterbacks in the past. But we've always been missing that key wide receiver position. And we haven't had a really highly elite one in a long time. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that the receiver position is a work in progress still. And, honestly, I, it's so hard to evaluate now moving forward, and we haven't even really gotten to talk about Cornelius Williams being let go and what that means for the locker room. That's also something you know that has a lot of layers. I said that about the quarterback position, but the wide receiver room has a lot of layers to it right now because I think there's some talent, but I also think some of the most talented and the guys that have some of the highest ceilings in this receiver room aren't getting to play a whole lot right now. Guys like Kobe Hudson still trying to carve out some playing time, Xavier Capers, Elijah Canyon. All those guys are making key plays down the stretch especially Hudson and Canyon on that final drive. Um, there's a lot of, you know, the, the wide receiver room is definitely an issue. There's talent in the room because they've recruited the well. They, they've recruited it well. They just have yet to be able to, um, for some reason, break through with development. Absolutely, yeah. I really appreciate the phone call, Matthew. 334-321-1390, the number to dial. Let's get back to the phone lines real quick. And Keith is on the line with us. What's up, Keith? Hey, yeah, uh, as far as the quarterback situation, you know, I, if, if he was going to play them all, I want to see Demetrius Davis. I mean, I, I, uh, T.J. Finley, he's okay. I mean, this may just set him on fire. It looks like he's got a lot of talent, but uh, kind of disappointed that Bo hadn't taken the reins or whatever. It, uh, you know, I really didn't see uh, that many great plays from Finley. I mean, his, up until that last drive, he was pretty average and. Uh, he did have a good run, and then it took a fourth down miracle where, I mean, he was strong enough to break out of the sack, and uh, uh, Shedrick had, happened to be there right by himself, and it just made a toss to him, but, uh, you know, which was great. I mean, I didn't take anything away from that, but uh, I thought the whole time that Demetrius Davis was uh, probably uh, going to be better than Shedrick, I mean, uh, uh, TJ Finley, but I'm not there, you know, and I guess. If it was like that, he'd be playing. But uh, just from uh, Davis's credentials in high school and everything, I'd love to see him play. I mean, he, they say he's got uh, – uh, Harson has said that he's got a game within the game and he uh, you know, makes plays when he, – and he's got a good, uh, good strong arm for a shorter guy. But I would love to see him play. I mean, uh, I don't look like Bo is going to take the next uh, step and – I was really for him and not against Finley at all, but, uh, you know, 
I'm uh, whoever starts, I'll be for them. I don't, you know, that's up to the coaching staff. But if we're going to start firing people, um, Mason's got to be on the hot seat. <laughs> I mean, uh, every every part of that defense is uh, been suspect. Even the linebackers. I mean, the linebackers have made a lot of tackles, and we know we have two, maybe three uh, elite linebackers. But you know, who when uh, the tight ends for Penn State don't get covered and you know, the safeties aren't covering anybody, and they uh, uh, they got like an 80 or 90%, uh, 70% completion rate against us, and and then we can't get any pressure when we know we got some good athletes up front. Um, I mean, I don't know if we got elite players on the uh, front defensive line, but uh, you know, we do have two or three pretty good inside players, and we know we got three or four good outside players. And, you know, it seems like he would – he said he was like a kid in the candy store. Uh, don't don't look like he knows what to do with him to me. Right. Yeah. And I'll I'll say as far as uh, Demetrius Davis goes, yeah, he's got a great skill set in terms of what we've seen from him in, in practices and, and during the spring game. And I think the thing that really stands out to him for Auburn fans is you look at Nick's and he is somewhat of a mobile quarterback, but you're looking for that mobility and then you're also looking for that it factor, right? You're looking for a quarterback that can go out there and actually like win you games. And we saw that with Davis in high school, like you mentioned, really talented quarterback in high school. I'd love to see him at some point this season or next season get his shot because he is still a four-star quarterback out of Texas, talented guy. And then I will say as far as Mason goes, some people have told me this. There are rumors that are that are going around right now, and I might be wrong on this, but apparently there's an opening at Vanderbilt up in Nashville, and he may be just a perfect fit, Mason may be, uh, for that program. I might be wrong on that. May not be true. I know Clark Lee's still <laughs> sorting some things out up there, but, hey, Derek Mason sounds like a guy that would fit perfect in Nashville. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, it could happen. Appreciate it. <laughs> Appreciate the phone call. 334-321-1390. Yeah, in terms of uh, talking about Mason, you know, if, if guys are going to be on the hot seat talking about Cornelius Williams being let go, Mason definitely could potentially be a guy. I do want to go back to Cornelius Williams. It's, it's something that we've not really gotten to talk about on the show much today, talking about the significance uh, of, of letting a guy go three games into the season and just how Harson is is not playing games, Noah. When you look at this at this locker room right now, what does losing this receivers coach do to it? You don't know yet, right? Right. You don't know. And I said earlier that, and I'm not even going to speculate. I'm not even going to act like I'm in there and say that this is going to hurt the locker room or something like that. But just looking across football and other instances and other programs. Four games in, firing a coach, it is a pertinent question to ask how this will affect the guys moving forward in the locker room. Is it going to be positive? Is it going to be negative? Will there be net no gain? You know, like will there be some positive, some negatives come with it? I don't know. But the direction that I will take my answer now is you will learn a lot about where this team is at from a cultural standpoint and how they respond from the atrocity that was this past Saturday as now you go to a place where you have not won since 1999. You have not won here since 1999 in Baton Rouge, and this LSU team has probably the most beatable of all the ones that you've played since that time period. Forgive me if I'm forgetting some terrible LSU team in that stretch of time. I was a, I was a very young child the last time that Auburn beat LSU at their place 
And there have been some really good LSU teams since that time, too. Pretty much almost every year, it seems like, when Auburn goes there, LSU's got a really good team. But this year, that is not the case. That is not the case. And Auburn's every bit as talented as they are. And they should be looking to rebound from the garbage that happened this past Saturday. They should be. They should be still looking to improve. All of their goals are still in front of them. For all intents and purposes, in my mind, Auburn blew out Georgia State. A win's a win. They went 1-0 on Saturday. It was ugly, but they went 1-0. They're still 3-1. They moved up a spot in the rankings to 22. They're still in the top 25. Everybody else is struggling. Everything's still in front of you. You didn't lose, right? SEC play is just now getting started. Go out there, beat LSU, and if you do, all is forgotten, all is forgiven. That doesn't mean that everything is fixed. You still have to improve from that game. And, of course, the Georgia game is going to be a whole nother headache to have to deal with. But focus on LSU right now. You go out there and beat them. You've taken the next step. You've done something that you haven't done since 1999. We were all freaking out about the year 2000 back then, right? Just the world is vastly different since the last time Auburn beat LSU. And if you win that game, that's that's a confidence booster. That's a program changer. You and I talked about that all offseason. You beat LSU. Folks are fired up. Folks are bought in. You go out there, you lay an egg, you get beat. It's easy to look around and say, man, this is the same thing, but with a different wrapping. It's the same package. It's the same thing I ordered, but just with a different package or, or a different wrapping on top of the package, right? So that's that's what I'm getting at here is it, it could be, you could be, we could be looking around the room after Saturday and thinking, man, it's the same old, same old. Still can't beat LSU. They're bad. What is going on, right? Right. And I don't want to take that in a negative direction, but if you want to know where this culture is at, look at how they play on Saturday. Absolutely. And I will say, moving down the line, if Auburn does lose this game, I'm not ready still to pull the trigger on Brian Harson because there's the recruiting aspect of it, right? There's getting your coordinators in and getting your right guys in the system. Obviously, we've seen four games into the season, Cornelius Williams being let go. Obviously, the coaching staff is probably not as solid as we might have thought it was. So I think moving down the line, yes, you can draw the conclusion that as of right now, it's it's the same product, just in different wrapping, but I would like to see what it looks like whenever Harson gets his guys, quote-unquote, whatever that may mean, into this program. You talk about establishing the culture. Yes, he was able to do it, it through, time. through the offseason, but it still does take time because you do have to get those guys, quote-unquote, into your program. Auburn may be sitting at last in the SEC in recruiting right now. I don't think that's as big of a deal as some people may make it out to be. Obviously, the transfer portal is a big, uh, big factor. You and I have talked about a lot that a lot throughout this year. Um, but yeah, moving forward, if Auburn loses this game, are there concerns? Yes, absolutely. But if you win this game, it's a huge confidence booster. Like you mentioned, Noah, in this program, all of a sudden the light at the end of the tunnel seems to be just a little bit brighter because I believe at some point, once Harson does begin to establish himself and establish this culture that he's got going on, this one and O mentality, this getting better every single day, this not being afraid to pull the plug on a quarterback because everything else you tried didn't work. I think we're going to see it all work out because we've seen really talented teams and coaches not look great 
early on in their in their in their tenures. Look at Alabama with Nick Saban. They lost to ULM, I believe, in their in their opening season. Auburn didn't lose this game, like you mentioned, Noah. They're still three and one. Everything's out in front of you. Just go out and make a statement on Saturday and prove that you are trending in the right direction. And I think that I think that this program is going to be just fine if they manage to do that. I love that you brought up the UNL, the ULM point because Alabama had a bad year, their first year under Nick Saban. And now look at what's happened. He got the culture going. It does take time. And so I want to make sure that people understand that it is it is just it is ridiculous to insinuate that co- that you should have conclusions made or, or that coaches should be on the hot seat after this year. Right. Um, or at least at this point in time in this year. Okay. Like, if you're going to start talking about coordinators, if you're going to start talking about position coaches, wait till the end of the year. Okay. And I know Armour just let go of a, a position coach, which I think we were all shocked by, but we're not the coach. We're not the one in charge. He's four games in. Let him do his thing. Everybody be patient. Just really seriously, like let, let the guy get his culture in and build it. I'm just saying this weekend's game against LSU will tell you where it's at, right? You will, it will tell you how, bought in this team or how or how much this culture has set in which I don't think is ridiculous to say I do think that it does give you an indication of where they are at in terms of their progression in terms of their headspace like that 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 is something viable I think you can say but to insinuate that you need to be moving on from coaches or something like that after five games into the season that's no I'm not I'm not there yet at all and I wouldn't be at the end of this year and I wouldn't be at the end of next year either you know I just think folks need to give it time I agree I don't think it's rational to be to be freaking out about guys uh and and saying that things need to be let go right now And, and that's what I was saying it just takes time to establish that culture right and I I there was a caller I I did after the game here on ESPN 106.7 following the Georgia State win on Saturday and there was a caller that called in and said Something, and I want to refine what he said in a, in just a different in a different light. He said, "I think Auburn fans have been delusional since they won the national championship in 2013. They expect the quarterback position to play a certain way. They expect the program to be run a certain way. They expect everything to be perfect, and it takes time to build up to that point. And I I agree with him in a sense that yeah, I think the mixture." of what we saw in 2010 and 2013 and the mixture of that combined with Nick Saban and the powers at Alabama rising to the top of college football, I think as an Auburn fan, it's frustrating. And I understand the frustration. I agree with it. But when you look at where the program's at right now, you can't ask for the process to be sped up. It's going to take time to get to the Nick Saban level, the Kirby Smart level, the Clemson level. You've got to build the program up and it doesn't happen overnight. Will this game against Saturday against LSU prove some things? Sure. Win or lose, we're going to be able to draw some conclusions. But it's way too early to be making conclusions that are so monumental it affects what happens down the line. Like you said earlier, Noah, talking about the SEC West and this Ole Miss-Alabama game, you can't write the script for either this team, this coaching staff, Brian Harson, or this program moving forward based off of three or four games into to a tenure. You've got to be able to give it time. 100%. And the last thing that I want to add to this, I want to draw it back to the quarterback position because this is being talked about a lot right now and what should Auburn do. Look, we've seen this before. It's a slippery slope when you move on from quarterbacks. 2011, 
You move on midseason from Barrett Trotter to Clint Mosley. Was Clint Mosley the answer? Because he ended up back with Barrett Trotter in the bowl game. And then you look to the next season in 2012, and what a terrible year that was. You went from Kyle Frazier to Clint Mosley to Jonathan Wallace. And, of course, that year was a little bit of an outlier. But, look, moving on from quarterbacks can be a very slippery slope when you are not certain about the guy coming in that he is going to be better than the guy going out. So make sure that you are correct in what you're doing at the quarterback position because if you are not, then this year could take on a very rocky ride all the way down the mountain to a very bad season if you mess up this decision right here. Saturday is pivotal. Everybody can see the writing on the wall. Who needed better storylines for the Tiger Bowl yet again that this that this would I don't know what it is about this game, but the stage always has to be set this way. The table also, the table always has to be set this way. That something crazy's got to be going on going into this ball game, and you get the feeling that these programs, like 2016, not with the same, not with the same situation with the coaches, of course, because Les Miles was let go after that ball game. But you get the feeling that the program, one team, whoever wins this game, is going to use this as a springboard to have a successful season. The other one, whoever loses this game, considering the teams that are left on their schedule, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, all those two teams in a, in a variation of ways are left on LSU or Auburn's schedule. Whoever loses this game, you're like, all right, it's a fight to get to a bowl game from here. It, it, it really is, especially considering both of these teams lost non-conference games and you have to win three SEC games. So that's kind of the vibe that I have going into this weekend is that the table is set. It's a ton of different storylines. Whichever team can go out there and play a clean game, that's that's the team that's going to end up winning. But we need to take a quick break here, get out of here, and wrap up the show here on the other side of this break. You're listening to On the Line. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line, Lance Dawn, Noah Gardner here with you. It's been a fantastic show so far. Really appreciate all the phone calls, all the thoughts about the quarterback situation, what we saw on Saturday between Auburn and Georgia State. It's been a fantastic show. Want to wrap it up here, just giving our thoughts on Brian Harson and his ability to pull the plug on Cornelius Williams four games into the season, not being afraid to make these changes Noah, what does that say to you with Brian Harson being willing to say, you know what, this is not working. We're going to go ahead and make the switch four games into the year. I can't remember which caller said this earlier, but I did agree with him. I think it was Ty the Tiger that said that it's refreshing to see Auburn have a coach that's willing to make the changes necessary to win a ball game, and he's not afraid to pull the trigger because the previous coaching staff maybe was a little reluctant to, to make changes and whatnot. Yes, that is refreshing. But on the other hand, I just want to play devil's advocate here. You are kind of running out of time to get things right, you know. And at at the same time, when you make changes, they aren't always the right changes. Now, this past Saturday, it was the right change to get TJ Finley into the ballgame to win the game. It was, 100%. But I just want to remind people that there are unintended consequences to changes that get made. Not saying, and they may be positive. They may be negative. This is not me putting commentary, despite your question. This is not me putting commentary on the decision to let go Cornelius Williams. This is just me saying that in game, out of game, whatever it may be, he is making changes. Just keep in mind, we have no idea whether or not they're going to work, you know? Mm -hmm. And one thing that can be said to your question that you just asked me, you know, what does that say to me? Auburn's running out of time to get things right. 
and they're going to have to figure out a lot of things this week. We'll continue to talk about the LSU matchup and the things going on with Auburn throughout the week, two to four every single day. Make sure to tune in and listen to us. It's been a fantastic show today. I expect it to be a fantastic week. Y'all have a great day. We'll see y'all tomorrow.